Call the meeting to order City of University Heights City Council meeting. It's November 8th, 2022, and meeting is being conducted tonight electronically by Zoom. Um, all five council are present. Let me click this off here. And first order of business is approval of minutes October 11th and October 24th. Uh, are there any additions or corrections to either minutes? Hearing none, the minutes are approved by unanimous consent. Any comments from members of the public? Um, Jim Lane's present tonight from the public. Do we see anybody else? Jim, did you want to speak? No, maybe not. No. Okay. Any Anyone else from the public that wants to speak tonight? Okay, we'll move on to a mayor's report. And first thing is consideration of resolution 2239, approving and what does it say? Directing, oh, for the annual report uh, for FY22. And Steve Cool is here tonight to present that. Steve? Yes. Thanks I'm for ready. Coming. Okay. You're welcome. Okay. We'll wait till we get the, okay, there we go. Uh, okay, this is the annual financial report for fiscal year ending June 30th, 2022. Um, the first page is the summary of all of the activity for the year. Uh, following the first page, there's several pages of detail on a lot of the items that make up page one. Um, and then there's some supplemental information in the back. So I'm pretty much going to go over the first, just the first page. This is the cover page. Okay. Um, so in the number columns, Column A, governmental, these are all the funds that we use. Uh, we don't have any proprietary funds. And then on the far right column is the budget uh, that we had uh, amended this past April. Um, a lot of the actual and budget numbers came out fairly close. Um, there were some that came out a little bit more than others, some a little bit less than others. Um, let's see here in the in the receipts here, you know, most of the property taxes and everything came out uh, close to the total, including the TIF revenues. Um, other city taxes, 220,000, the bulk of that is the hotel motel tax. Um, let's see. And then intergovernmental. That ended up two hundred and seventy-nine thousand dollars versus a budget of two fifty-two. Um, we actually ended up with um, more road use tax receipts than we had uh, were expecting back in April when we amended the budget. Um, so total revenues and other sources, which is basically transfers in from other funds, just a shade over two point nine million. Total budget amount was 2,880,000, so those came out close. 
On the expenses, uh, public safety, uh, this is uh, school crossing guard, um, uh, building inspection, police. Uh, then it ended up just being just a little bit over budget. Um, most of that difference was back in April. We had estimated uh, the police wages for the year. And that was the best guess we could, you know, based on how much anticipated overtime we'd had and maybe some extra services for other, um, you know, patrol and safety purposes. Uh, public works, that's predominantly streets and trash removal. That was under budget. Culture and recreation, um, that ended up being over budget. Um, we had one thing that came up very late in fiscal in June, and that was uh, emergency uh, repair replacement to the air conditioner at the community center there. And that was, I believe that was $8,000 or something like that. So that was something that it just happened late at the end of the year. We couldn't have amended the budget to include that, but we had revenues for the year to cover that. Um, the next line, community and economic development, that ended up being uh, about 10,000 over budget. Um, that The bulk of that, practically all of that is the um, TIF development agreement. Um, and that's based on 95% of the receipts for the year. Uh, the actual TIF receipts on the TIF revenue line was about the same. Um, the extra money came from the business property replacement tax and then also the backfill money. And that was about oh, 14 or 15,000, somewhere in that range. So we ended up paying a little bit more out to Jeff Maxwell on that payment than what we had, were expecting. Um, then debt service was over by just a little bit. There were, uh, it was a timing on payment of the um, servicing fees for the banks for the, that. So uh, we ended up with total expenditures and transfers out 2,643,000 versus budget of 2,623,000. So we came out just a little over there. Excess revenue, um, excess revenues over expenses for the year. We ended up with um, positive on the side of 264,000 uh, versus budgeted of <laughs> X. So anyway, uh, everything came out pretty close all together. Uh, we do have, uh, we had uh, $587,000 of cash going into the beginning of the current fiscal year here. And um, as you recall, back in July, we had the two bond sales. That was a little over a million dollars. So we have plenty of cash sitting on hand right now, but the bulk of that is all obligated for capital projects and other things. So um, then down at the bottom, right below that, let's see here. Um, there's a little schedule, just a little ways further down the page here. Um, indebtedness at June 30th, 2022 on the three outstanding bond issues. We had total uh, principal outstanding of 1,165,000. Just over to the right of that, the general obligation debt limit is 
9,353,000. So we have only borrowed about 12.5% of our total borrowing capacity. So uh, that's pretty much the summary for the year. Uh, the timing on this, um, tomorrow I will finish up the uh, publication for the newspaper. We're anticipating that it will be published next Wednesday, November 16th. Once that's published and we get a, a publication proof, then Mike can send in the paper copy and that will be on, on file with the state. And then I also transmit the file. So that was pretty much everything I wanted to cover. Just everything came out pretty much as we were anticipating back in April. Thanks, Steve. Any questions for Steve? Okay, um, consideration of resolution 2239 is before you. Is there a motion? A motion. Motion by Bobby. Is there a second? I'll second. Second by Lisa. Discussion? I think that was, I think that was actually Stephanie. It was. Oh, was it Stephanie? <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, Steph. No. Uh, or Lisa, yeah. Okay, so motion by Bobby, second by Stephanie. Um, any discussion? Then a roll call vote. Aye. Don? Aye. Moore? Aye. Schroeder? Aye. Scott? Aye. Swales? Aye. Motion carries 5-0. Thank you. And thanks, Steve, um, uh, for your work on that this year. And so we'll we'll get signing whenever you email us. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll be in touch with you and Mike soon. We'll set days and times to get this paper copies and everything distributed. Because it's due December 1st, right? December 1st, yeah. Okay. So hopefully we can get this all taken care of by the end of next week. Yeah, thank you, Steve. I appreciate your work on okay. this. Okay, we'll go on to Mid-American Energy Community Link. Rick Murray is our customer service rep, and she's here tonight. Hi, Wim. Welcome. Uh, you wanted to give an annual report. Hello. Hi. Hi. Well, um, actually, I just wanted to connect with you guys and attend a, um, attend a city council meeting, which I can't believe it's November already, and I hadn't done it yet, <laughs> so... I think Louise let me attend at this time. I, I am a business connections manager at MidAmerican Energy. So I work with commercial customers uh, and manage their accounts. But I also happen to be the community link for University Heights. We have a community link for each of our communities, which means I can be your first point of contact for anything to do with MidAmerican Energy. Um, in fact, I'm working on something with uh, Lisa right now. <laughs> <laughs> which I'll get in touch with you tomorrow. But um, yeah, so I just wanted to make you guys aware um, and, and get to see who's on the council now and hear some of the issues that are going on with University Heights. I don't know if you guys have any questions for me. Uh, you, I mean, just to remind the council again, I think they met you last year too, but you have been very helpful when I reach out to you for Mid-American to ask questions. You follow up when a resident asks 
something about their property and the lines. You're you're very good at, at and so this is the person you contact whim if there are any questions like that. And you've been very good. You helped us through the derecho and that whole thing too, as they know. But we also appreciate your uh, the Mid American Energy Community Grant. You know that yeah. is, that's we're very appreciative of that, mm -hmm. and you, you know that's that's been very nice of you to do that. It's five hundred dollars, and um, this year's application I want to put in money for some improved farmers market signs, and I and Lisa asked uh, that the committee for the website renewal, you know, when we update it, that we hire a professional photographer to update some of our pictures because the pictures have to be according to the website. And you really need a professional photographer who knows what he's doing. We can't just use our phone cameras. You well, as someone who's married to a photographer, I would agree with you. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Probably <laughs> I a conflict of interest in hiring him, but if you need somebody, <laughs> I'm sure he knows photographers. So. <laughs> okay, very good. Thanks, Wim. So are there any questions for Wim tonight? Okay, thanks so much for coming. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Okay, have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you. So then we'll go to consideration of resolution 2238, uh, confirming appointments to city boards. And as you saw in uh, attorney Ballard's legal report, I have two recommendations for zoning commission. One's a reappointment of Alice Hagen, whose term has expired and also I need to fill a vacancy left by Karen Franklin, who has moved out of town. And I recommend appointment of Jay Speckine. Um, let's see, Is let's get a motion on the table before discussion for resolution 2238. Is there a motion? I'll make the motion, please. Motion by Lisa. Is there a second? <clears throat> I can second it. Second by Doug. Okay, discussion? Any discussion? Okay, roll call vote. Moore. Aye. Schroeder. Aye. Scott. Aye. Swales. Aye. Gone. Aye. Motion carries 5-0. Thank you. So now we'll go to the attorney report. And this is uh, first consideration of ordinance 251. And this is uh, about golf carts. And uh, Steve, do you want to uh, say a few words about it? Kind of sure, make I'm the happy. report a little concise, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to. Uh, we, well, I listed a lot of things in last month's report in terms of kind of options that the council could consider if the council was inclined to authorize uh, the operation of golf carts on city streets. And uh, the council last month appointed a committee of uh, council members, Scott, uh, Mayor Fromm, uh, Chief Kelsey, and me, 
and we, we looked through things. Uh, I, I wasn't much of a policy guy because I'm the city attorney, but I collected the thoughts and we, it was part of the discussion anyway, uh, and came up with the, uh, the ordinance that, that uh, is before you is ordinance 251. Um, you know, as I said in my report, it permits operation of golf carts. It, uh, uh, you know, the, the rules of the road apply. So uh, just so you know that anything that would, any laws that would apply to a motor vehicle would apply to a golf cart. Um, you know, there was uh, the one point of, uh, of uh, uh, decision for the council is whether uh, to permit uh, any passengers under six uh, and uh, I set that out in an alternative fashion uh, in the in the draft ordinance with the idea that the council can discuss that point. Uh, and obviously, if the council was inclined to adopt the ordinance, then it needs to say which which option of uh, of those alternatives the council wants to uh, to um, select. And and as I also tried to make clear. You know, if the council doesn't have to adopt the ordinance at all, but but I'm happy to answer questions. But I, I think the ordinance was uh, fairly self-explanatory, and we we kept it pretty short. And that's what I can tell you. Steve, could you go over the rules of an ordinance and yeah, uh, reading some more? Thank you. You bet. So the default, the the sort of presumption of the Iowa Code and the requirement of the Iowa Code is that a that the council will consider an ordinance uh, three times uh, before it's it's uh, passed. Uh, so uh, you know, if the council wants to, the council may, by a vote of four council members, the council may collapse uh, those three readings into one, or it can collapse the the second and third one into two. Uh, something like that. Uh, the history of the council and and frankly my advice over the years has been that if there's something that's sort of an emergency uh, in, in that sense that that sometimes the council does uh, collapse three readings into one. But in the absence of some uh, some timing or other uh, emergency type issue, the history of the council has been to at least at least consider an ordinance twice. Uh, the idea being that you know maybe the word gets out among the community, uh, after the first reading and people can show up the second time and say, hey, I missed the first one and whatever. Um, there have been many, many times over the years that the council has always taken three readings, so three months to enact an ordinance. And there have been quite a few where the council has has said on the second reading, hey, you know, we considered this last month and really there wasn't any community uh, feedback and nobody showed up for public input, so we'll go ahead and collapse two and three. But I guess it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's been the practice of the council, and, and I guess it would be my suggestion that you at least consider the ordinance twice, but you have the power to do what you want, and uh, um, I want you to know that as well. Thank you, Steve. Are there any questions for Steve? I do. Uh, okay. I have one real quick. Steve, if, if this does not seem to work out and it becomes more grief than what it's worth, what would be the process to rescind this ordinance? Yeah, that's a real good question, Doug, and and maybe that goes back to what I just said about you know emergency type circumstances. If for some reason the council adopted this ordinance and it was a just a disaster, you know, hopefully not public safety, but something, the council can rescind it in one fell swoop, one meeting. Okay, but but the process would be to sort of undo it the way you got into it. So so typically 
to rescind an ordinance would would take the same three votes because you're you're rescinding a, a, you know you're not adopting an ordinance but you're taking action on an ordinance but the council clearly would have the prerogative if it if it saw fit to uh, collapse those votes okay thank you mm -hmm. any other questions um bobby you want me to go first or you want to go first in discussion um, um, no, uh, go ahead, Louise. That's fine. Okay, I I actually took some notes here, so I wouldn't I'd keep it short and concise. Um, yes, as Steve said, the committee met last Thursday, and because golf carts will be driving with other motor vehicles at the same speeds, we were all concerned about uh, having enough safety features, and in the discussion. That there were a lot of give and takes on both sides after discussion. And I want to focus on the one option that we didn't all agree upon. And I feel it's unsafe for little children five and under sitting without seat belts or sitting on older siblings' laps or parents' laps is just unsafe. This is not allowed by Iowa law of course, in motor vehicles, and I believe it's more dangerous in an open golf cart. In researching uh, golf cart accidents, many times passengers are thrown off of golf carts because they're open. And uh, UH has a population of about 1,200, 1,228 as of 2020, but it's, it's not a small town, classified as a small um, rural town, as a lot of towns that size, because we're surrounded by a city with a population of 60,000. So we're considered an urban city. And other urban cities, not all of them, but the one, a lot of ones that I looked at, when they have a golf cart ordinance, they don't allow children under six. I, and some of the city, you know, the rural cities, I see them having that where they don't have that rule. Um, I, I want to ask that we please keep our tiniest residents safe and support the option of no one under six can ride in golf carts. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Louise. I, the, and yeah, Luis is right. This is the one thing that we really didn't, I don't know, agree on. I certainly appreciate the sentiment um, and, you know, the just desire to keep kids safe and no, no uh, hard feelings there, I guess, in any way. But I kind of think my personal take is, you know, with this, you know, that's the decision that we can leave up to the parents. And, um, you know, I'm just, you know, practically for my family, uh, we would be fine, you know, with that. Obviously, it's a risk, and we would understand that. But um, it, we would just have to, you know, you just have to be careful. And um, so, my my personal preference is that we would not make that uh, stipulation, I guess, if you will, or that uh, limitation. But we would just, um, you know yeah just go with basically if you're looking at that for my recommendation would be to go my preference would be to go with 4b um, which 
you know, kind of clarifies that, which is the children under six need to sit on, you know, parents or a lap or um, something. So that was the real, I think that's the real decision that we can, I mean, that's the one thing that, that is not set, at least in the way Steve's uh, put the ordinance together right now. <clears throat> Any other comments? Well, I'll say something. We are part of the larger metro area. We have a lot of game day traffic. And even if you take that article that was in one of the legal reports from the Pew Trust website with a few grains of salt, golf carts do have some significant safety issues. So, and an accident, you know, you can be as careful as you want to be, but if somebody else does something, I just wouldn't want to take that risk for anybody. So I hope you will add in the part about not allowing children under six. Are uh, seat belts mandatory equipment? No. Okay. When we looked at that, um, I've looked at the fleet over at Finkbine and going to the games. I've looked at all the golf carts at Finkbine. There's, there's no uh, seat belts, but you can order them on Amazon, I see. And I do have experience with a golf cart because at our residence in Okaboji area, we, we just bought a golf cart for this year and we bought every safety feature we could and they didn't say a word about seatbelts. And so we decided that uh, we go without seatbelts. Mm -hmm. But of course, because it, it's rare you see one with a seatbelt. Have you seen them, Doug? Oh yeah, I, I've seen them. Yeah, a lot of them are tucked down in the seat and you don't even notice they're there, but they are in the bottom. So I, I think they mostly are equipped. It's just people just choose not to use them. And 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 yeah. I guess my personal view is, you know, I think it's going to be personal choice as far as if they're if they use them or not. And I think uh -huh. there has to be some personal accountability. Uh, if you choose to buy a golf cart that does not have you know seat belts just for the sake of conversation, I think that would liability should fall on the owner so i i, I kind of see it as the owner should take full liability and ownership of any safety concerns i mean you, you can only be as safe as you want to be you know if the vehicle does have seat belts and you choose not to wear them i mean if it's if it's an ordinance that you must wear seat belts like a moving vehicle that, that's one thing but if they're not equipped or if they are equipped i i think that's you know up to you you know whether you even bought a new car today you know would you buy a car without seat belts Probably not, but there are a lot of people that probably do not wear seat belts, and unfortunately. But I, I, I'd I be happy to have the ordinance with seat belts. Are you are you thinking you want to do that? Well, I think belts? they should be equipped. Um, as far as wearing them, mine's not equipped <laughs> with seat belts. I, I I think it's well. Go ahead, Doug. Finish your thoughts if you want. Oh, to. No, no. I I just. Uh, I, I just think that if the, the vehicle is equipped 
you know, I, I think it's it's up to the the liability and the the, the ownership of liability should fall upon the owner uh, of the, the 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 golf cart. Um, whether yeah. or not you want to make seat belts mandatory, like cars, you know, I I guess that would fall in line more of you know if you're going to treat golf carts like cars. Well, yeah, you have to wear seat belts are mandatory. Should we have to have them on golf carts mandatory? I mean, I ride a motorcycle every day. I don't have seat belts on my motorcycle, but you know, I'm going to go flying down the street on my face. So I don't know if seat belts would really help you all that much. We talked about this a little bit in our meeting. And Troy, do you want to chime in on that regarding the safety aspects of, you know, golf carts and speed and seat belts and so on and so forth? From a public safety concern, I the speeds in University Heights are, are, if we go with current posted speeds, the maximum speed is 25 miles per hour. Uh, so from a public safety concern, I mean, I, I totally understand that you know, if you're going, I mean, speed is always a factor of an accident. If you're going zero miles an hour, you're not going to get hurt. You might fall down, you might hurt yourself impacting with the ground, but there's no speed component. And as you increase speeds, things become, I guess, more dangerous. There's more risk of injury. And as speeds go up of serious injury and death, at 25 miles an hour and less, uh, I don't have an overriding public safety concern. I did accident investigation. I, I agree with everything that everybody said. We want to look out for the, the best interest of our community. But I also think from a public safety standpoint, that those risks are manageable and and can be accepted or declined by the users. You can choose not to ride in a golf cart if you don't want to. Uh, to Councillor Swales' uh, point, whether you require seat belts to be equipment or not, if the person operating the the golf cart was concerned and wanted to have that extra layer of protection and he or she could equip their vehicle with seatbelts. But from a public safety point and from an accident investigator and reconstructionist point, I, for the speeds that we'll be operating and in our community with our major arterial streets, if you will, having 25 mile an hour speed limits, I, I don't have an overriding safety concern. So it really comes down to uh, what council wants in their community. Uh, Steph and Tim, what are you guys' thoughts on the six and under, you know, uh, age, the age limitation on the passengers? Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm more inclined to agree with or think along the terms of the not limiting it like you had suggested, Bobby. Um, I feel it's a parent's, you know, own prerogative, how they decide to let their children ride or not ride. And I don't think we should be limiting it, but that's my, mm -hmm. my feeling. I, Tim? I don't have a strong opinion. I mean, I can see both sides of it. I don't know if what the question, if one of the proposals on the table is that children under six, if you're going to have them on the vehicle that they have a seat belt. 
but I, I don't have a strong opinion. No, that's not one of the proposals. I mean, we, you guys. Well, I, I know it's not one of the ones that's, that's written out. It is. Mm -hmm. We started mm -hmm. talking about seatbelts, and I didn't know if that was part of what was being proposed as an alternative. Yeah, I. I guess going back to the seatbelt thing as an as a big picture thing, it's it's a. Uh, I think that's a really. Um, it's a really big uh, hurdle to jump uh, when you're talking about seatbelts on golf carts because, you know, I think most of them don't have them. Um, it's a whole different, I mean, it's a whole different conversation when you're building a golf cart now for seatbelts. I just don't think that's a realistic thing, I guess. It's like, in my mind, it's not, it's similar to like seatbelts on a motorcycle kind of you know, you get an open top type thing. Um, but regardless, yeah, I don't know. My, my, no, my, my, just my thinking on the age thing is, you know, obviously my kids would be crushed if they, if I said, yeah, sorry, you can't ride on a golf cart. Uh, and that's part of it. But, but I think the big picture thing is, you know, for parents to be able to make that decision for their family and, um, and, you know, Obviously, they've got to be okay with the consequences too. If something were to happen, that'd be terrible. But, um, but that's I think their decision to make. Well, that that kind of goes along with what I'm saying. I, I don't know if you should make seatbelts mandatory. I think if you do feel that the, the sake of uh, you know safety, by all means, equip your golf cart with seatbelts. If you choose not to, you know, don't. Mm -hmm. But I, I I don't want to be the person that forces that down somebody's throat either you know if you feel the need to put them on put them on and if you don't want to do not you know if it becomes an issue then maybe we should address that down the road of you know make, make a mandatory at least or you know before we throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of thing mm -hmm. so so um louise or steve what's next step i guess in terms of kind of picking um, on the 4A or the 4B. If you guys are on page 21 of Steve's thing, 4A or 4B, what's kind of the next step in that? I think a council, uh, I think we should vote on 4A or 4B. Okay. Right, Steve? I mean, make yeah. a decision about it and then, yeah. and then they can decide if they want to vote for first consideration based on that is what I read exactly. in the report, right? Exactly right. Okay, so, uh, so Bobby, you wanted to maybe, you know, option B, you wanted option B, right? Which That's is- the, uh, uh, No golf cart shall carry more passengers than the number of seats the golf cart had when it was manufactured, except that children under the age of six may ride on another passenger's lap. So, so- no, no age, option. no age limitation, right? Right. So, my uh, vote. Yes. Why don't you make a motion for option B, and we'll see okay. where that goes. Okay. Well, I'll motion then for option okay. B. Okay. Is there a second? Yep, I'll second. Does Louise know we can't hear her? Oh, you can't hear me. I can hear her. I don't <laughs> know. Can you not hear her, Tim? What? I'm gonna. I can hear I... you, Louise. I can hear fine. Yeah, uh -oh. I can everything went crazy. She can't hear now. <laughs> I mean, I just hit. Okay, let me come back. We can hear you. I don't. I never know. Okay. I don't know. 
Well, Tim, yeah, I don't know. I'm not on mute, I don't mm -hmm. think. No, you're good. But, okay, thank you. So we have a motion for option B, which is no, um, maybe Bobby can say it again, just so it's clear to people. Yeah, I no, like basically no age limitation. And if there are kids younger, they need to be on a seated on someone's lap, basically. They need to be safe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then there is a second by Steph. So this is a simple vote. All in favor, say aye or raise your hand so we can count. Aye. Aye. On that. And then Doug. Yep. And Tim. Okay. Oppose. Okay, Lisa. So four to one. We're going to go with option B. Uh, no age limit. So, uh, then we can look at first consideration tonight with that option, right, Steve? Exactly. Okay. So first consideration of ordinance number 251. So does the council want to do first consideration tonight? I, yep, I see that. yes. Okay, so I need a motion for first consideration permitting the operation of golf carts on city streets establishing rules and regulations and requiring permits. Okay, motion, motion by Stephanie. Mm -hmm. I can second. Okay, second by Bobby. Okay, any further discussion? Okay, roll call vote. Schroeder. Tim. Mm -hmm. We can't hear you. You're on mute now, Tim. <laughs> okay. Hi, <thumbs> hi. <laughs> Scott. Aye. Swales. Aye. Gone. Aye. More. No. Motion carries 4-1. Okay. Thank you. Let's go on to um, anything else in the legal report. There was a lot in the legal report. Uh, I guess it's, as we continue, we'll cover some of those things, right, Steve? I think so. Okay, very good. Uh, city clerk report, Mike? I don't think I have anything to add to, uh, well, maybe one other thing. Um, Lori and I just nailed down, we will be doing our annual city audit with Kronlagi and Olson on December 20th. So. Very good. Thank you. Any questions for Mike? We'll go on to uh, the treasurer's report, Lori. And um, she sent the warrant list. Do we have any, was anything else added? Did you get the visa bill or anything? Yeah, I sent, I sent, an, I emailed you all a link, but uh, the CenturyLink bill is 10806 and the visa bill is $326.49. Thank you. Okay, with those additions. Um, are there any um, uh, objections to paying the warrants? Hearing none, the warrants will be paid by unanimous consent. And as at the very beginning of the meeting, Lori had said that she sent around a note saying that after 19 years, she's 
retiring, resigning, (laughs) (laughs) whatever the right word is. She's moving on with her family without us. I'm not really moving, though. I'm just not going to be the treasurer. Yeah, you know, you're moving forward (laughs) without us. I'll just be down the street and I'll be available. (laughs) You're prioritizing other things. We get it. As you should. As you should, Lori. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Lori, I, I mean you're going to be dearly missed and really hard to replace. And we appreciate everything you've done for us and wish you and your family the best. But I wanted to talk a little bit about next steps. And I know that's why you announced it today so that we'd have some time to discuss next steps. And um, I discussed this with Steve Cool because Lori, a few days ago, sent it to the finance committee and um, told us her plans without us. And um, Steve suggested we, we all contact people that we think may be interested, like going through the grapevine is a good thing. So I, I started doing that, um, contacting people that we know they don't have to live in University Heights and, um, uh, we'll get together a, a job description, and uh, Lori has things on QuickBooks, so a knowledge of QuickBooks, you'd say, right, Lori? And, yeah, probably. And, and the good thing is, Steve Cool said he would help us with paychecks <laughs> if we need that, and but we're hoping we find somebody and. Uh, <clears throat> as good as Lori. And so I, and then the other thing, when I was looking up golf cart ordinances, I noticed, and this is before Lori had contacted us, I saw job opportunities on like Swisher. And I went, oh, they got job opportunities here. So I thought we could put put something on our city website right away and get that up. And uh, anyway, any other suggestions or, and then have people contact me just for a point of contact, me or Bobby, both of us, um, as we move forward with this. Uh, any other suggestions? No suggestions. Uh, just a question, Lori, mm-hmm. I know this is really hard. It, it ebbs and flows, but on average, what would you say, like, if we're talking to someone about this job on average, how many, you know, hours a month or week are you just generally committing? No, it's probably 25 to 30. A month. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Right. It's, most, it's mostly the first week of the month after or before the city count, you know, after we get the bank mm-hmm. statement after um, just getting all the warrants prepared for the city council meeting to be prepared. And yeah. but yep. then we do payroll every other week for um officers police and yep and so it's not just the one time a month but the bulk of it is that first two weeks or up until the city council great and i'll be here i can do you know until someone's comfortable with whatever i'll be here very good thank you thank you Lori. any other questions or Okay, thank you so uh, much. Louise, yes, Louise yes. I just want to... Oh, Jim Lane. 
Hi. I just want to thank Lori personally because I don't know when I'll see her. I don't oh. see her as much, but my six years on finance, she did just a tremendous job, and I really appreciated that, Lori. It's good to thank work you. with you, and good luck to you and Joe and the family. Thank you. Yeah, I echo that too. Thank you for <laughs> everything you've done, Laurie. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to be here for the next few meetings. I so, think you know. Troy was clapping over there. <laughs> I see him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, so, any other questions for Lori about anything with the treasurer's report? Okay, we'll move on. Thank you, Lori. And we'll go to uh, finance. And this is, uh, Steve will start discussion on this, uh, 2234 with the urban renewal report and 2235 uh, and 2236. Steve, do you want to over those first? I'm, I'm happy to. Uh, so this is the, November is the month when the council uh, considers what's called the annual appropriation of the one university place uh, TIF. Um, TIF is a tax increment financing. Uh, the idea is you, you take the value of a property uh, before a development, uh, through a lot of different channels and options, uh, a development is approved, and then you value the property as, as developed, and, and then you take that value as developed and subtract the original value, and that's the I and TIF, that's the increment. So, you know, how, how much have you improved the property economically, basically? St. Andrew was a church, so it was almost all exempt. So the, the, the starting valuation for the OUP TIF is, is very small. So it's almost all increment. The TIF development agreement, which I emailed around to everybody, uh, adopted in August of 2015, provides that um, the council will consider every year uh, an appropriation of the TIF. This particular TIF is what's known as a rebate TIF. So there are different ways to do TIFs, and I, I won't take tons of time on it. But but there are there are examples uh, in in Coralville in Iowa City, where uh, where the cities actually uh, you know invest money into a project, and then and then the TIF uh, is um, a repayment through tax dollars uh, generated from that project to repay that loan. The, the TIF that the University Heights City Council selected in 2015 is, is not, not that kind of a TIF. This is known as a rebate TIF. So the only way that the developer in, in, uh, of OUP receives TIF revenues is if the property owners uh, of OUP pay taxes. So, so first you got to build something, then it's got to get taxed, then the people have to pay the taxes. And all of those things have happened uh, and are happening. And I should I should say that the uh, the city of course owns City Hall and it's exempt, so the city doesn't pay any taxes uh, at all. Uh, period. So um, so so the process is that uh, that the developer every October uh, fills out a, a worksheet and a, uh, and and I sent that around to you and, and the, the developer generates some uh, some um, assessed values based upon the Johnson County Assessor's uh, calculations. 
and then and then does this this worksheet and and this is what's known as a 95% rebate tiff and so the developer then um uh you know takes the legislative rollback multiplied by a, a kind of an assumed millage rate and then comes up with an amount of tax that would be payable multiplies that by 95% and then requests that uh the city council rebate that amount uh in in revenue uh tax revenue Th these revenues are uh we're, we're a year we take we pay taxes a year behind this is an estimate uh, uh so the appropriation that the council is asked to make tonight is an estimate of taxes that will be collected in 23 and 24 and would actually be paid to the developer in uh, June of 2024. I think earlier in the meeting, Steve Cool made the comment that uh, that our, our our actual tax payment, uh, our I'm sorry, our actual TIF uh, appropriation payment to the developer uh, this past year, I think was more than maybe we had anticipated. Um, so two things about that. The anticipation in that regard, I mean, we're only paying back 95% of what we take in. So it's never a net loss or a net gain for that matter uh, to the city. It, the point of, of not being right on in terms of the number is just that you're, you're estimating, you know, this far in advance. So, so the, the uh, appropriation, the request for this, this year is uh, $606,775. That's 95% of the tip. The other 5% then uh, is uh, is uh, available to the city uh, for certain specified uh, projects that the city has identified. And that's th this this coming fiscal year, 23-24, estimated to be 31,936. So, so the three resolutions, 2234, 2235, and 2236, all relate to the TIF. Um, and I'll, I'll just take them in order and then, and then I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. But 2234 is the city's annual uh, urban renewal report to the Iowa Department of Revenue. And so this is a form generated through the Iowa Department, I'm sorry, not Department of Revenue, Iowa Department of Management. This, uh, this form is, uh, is generated, the report is generated on a form available through the Iowa Department of Management's website. Steve Cool was kind enough to jump online and help get that one figured out. And so, the, so 2234 just approves uh, the uh, urban renewal report for, for FY22. So this, is, this reports tax receipts from OUP during the, during the fiscal year 21-22 and the disbursement of those taxes. So that's what 2234 is. And if, if you want to, I guess, take them up in order, that, that would be the one that would be before you now, your, uh, Mayor. So resolution 2234. Uh, yes, and in a rebate TIF, it's interesting, and we don't usually hear that, but that means you have to do this annually. Right, Steve? Yeah, that's exactly the right. We have our setup to, to, to consider it annually. Yes, so that's why you see this last year, year before, yeah. So consideration of resolution 2234 is before you. Is there a motion? I'll motion. Motion by Bobby, is there a second? 
I'll make, I'll second, that, Louise. Second by Lisa. Okay, uh, discussion? Roll call vote, Mike. Scott? Aye. Swales? Aye. Gone? Aye. Moore? Aye. Schroeder? Aye. Motion carries 5-0. And the second resolution is 2235. That's right. And 2235 is an accounting um, uh, measure where the city basically obligates itself to shift money from one fund to the other so that when the TIF money comes in, it can pay itself back. It It's a little... Um, I don't know, confusing to me, or uh, but it's what's required for the city to access those TIF funds. So, so that's what twenty two thirty six is. Thirty five. Thirty five. Excuse me. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Um, so we have consideration of twenty two thirty five. Is there a motion? I'll motion. Motion by Bobby. Is there a second? <clears throat> I'll second again. Okay. A second by Lisa. Um, any discussion? Uh, Mike, roll call vote. Swales? Aye. Gunn? Aye. Moore? Aye. Schroeder? Aye. Scott? Aye. Motion carries 5-0. And the last one is resolution 2236. And in, in 2236 is the resolution that actually uh, makes the appropriation or, or puts everything in place to make the appropriation for fiscal year 24, 22, 23, 23, 24, uh, and, and in the amount of $606,775 in rebate to the developer and $31,936, uh, the 5% amount uh, to the city. Okay, uh, that uh, 2236 is before you. Is there a motion? A motion. Motion by Bobby. Is there a second? I'll second. Second by Doug. Doug Beach, Lisa. <laughs> uh, so uh, any discussion? Okay, another roll call vote, please. Gone around the horn, gone. Aye. Moore. Aye. Schroeder. Aye. Scott. Aye. Swales. Aye. Motion carries 5-0. Thank you. Um, is there anything here that you wanted to discuss or add, Bobby, about anything with I, finance? No. no. Okay. Thank you. Mayor? Yes. I, I might add briefly, especially with Jim Lane on the line. Uh, so uh, I'll see if we can put some heads together. And, uh, it, it would be nice, I think, for the council to sort of see uh, where we are. The, the TIF was a, a defined amount in total, and it was going to be payable over over total uh, maximum number of, I think it was 21 years. And, um, and frankly, we're way ahead. And so uh, there will come a time in the next, um, I'm going to say, four and a half to five years when that tip will be gone, it'll be paid. And so those funds that you're appropriating um, uh, back to the developer won't, won't be appropriated to the developer. Um, now, 
the way a TIF works, you look at that $600,000 number, that's, that's not all going to come to the city. Uh, the city will get the city's share of that, uh, and, and that can be explained. But but uh, Jim uh, Lane was instrumental, in, uh, as were, were other council members, including Mike Haverkamp and the mayor uh, at the time. So so maybe we can put together a little, uh, uh, just a little update to the council to let, let everybody know where, where that stands. It will have an impact on the city's budget in a, in a real positive way, and frankly, much sooner than anticipated. Thank you, Steve. Uh, council wants to do that, correct? See where we are? Sounds yes. good to everybody? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. Thanks. And uh, so uh, we'll go down to community protection. Uh, the chief is here and Stephanie's here. And uh, you submitted your report. And I know you had uh, a request in your report too. I didn't know if you wanted to review anything special or you wanted to just talk about that. Go sure. ahead, I don't need. Thank you very much, Mayor. I don't need to review anything else unless anybody has any questions. Uh, we, University Heights, continue to have an excellent relationship with Kevin Sanders of the Iowa City chapter of the NAACP and uh, even at the next level up with the state chapter of the NAACP and we converse frequently, we work together frequently. Uh, we are moving forward toward hosting next year's summit on uh, disparity and justice in University Heights. It's not, a, it's not guaranteed or carved in stone yet, but it looks like that will happen at this current time. And one of the reasons they want to have it here is on the courtyard by Marriott is a great facility, but they also want to showcase University Heights. They, we continue to be held up as an example of forward thinking, especially for a small community. That's kind of a tangent, but the last two years I've asked for council and, and city support towards uh, sponsorship or, or making the summit happen. And although either Kevin or Betty have come to me yet, uh, I fully anticipate they will. The summit is scheduled for December. And rather than come to you after the fact, I'd just like to ask that you again consider contributing the same amount, $500, towards uh, the 2022 summit on uh, racial disparity or justice and disparity, uh, co hosted by the NAACP. And it's in Ankeny this year, and hopefully it will be in University Heights next year. Okay. Um, is there a motion for approving the $500 towards the Iowa Summit Justice and Disparities? I'll make a motion, uh, Louis. Okay. Motion by Steph. Is there a second? I'll second. Second by Tim. Okay. Discussion. Um, this is also the subject of one of our autopsy reports. Oh, my. All in favor, say aye. 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 Anyone opposed? Okay, so motion carries 5-0. Thank you, I uh, appreciate your support. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping you can bring that to University Heights next year at the hotel. That's would be really neat. And it would be in December, correct? 
Uh, they are actually trying to currently schedule it for October. It would oh. uh, have to pick a, it's usually a during the week, so it shouldn't conflict, it shouldn't conflict with football, but uh, okay. we'll see what happens. Thank you. Any questions for Chief on his uh, report or anything else? Steph, did you want to add anything? Nope. Okay. Thanks, Chief. I know if you want to duck out, you might be going to dinner soon. Thank you, Kylie. Uh, we'll take you up on that, Mayor. Have a okay. good night, all. Thank you. Uh, okay, we'll go to streets and sidewalks. And uh, Josiah and Ryan are here uh, to talk about uh, many things. That was quite a long uh engineer report, you've been busy, and we have a resolution 2237, also with the snow contract. Do you want to start with that, Josiah and Ryan? I'll start with the snow removal contract, the renewal. Um, and yes, yeah, so we have resolution 2237 before you tonight. Uh, it's for a renewal of the contract with Mark Phelps from Hawkeye Construction and Snow Removal, who's um, done this work for the city for I think maybe six years now or seven. Um, the last the last contract we had uh, was a one season contract. Um, the intent was to sort of maybe get back to a longer contract, but based upon the uh, fluctuation of prices and materials and things, um, Mark is more comfortable again, doing a one season contract because he sort can sort of get his prices and everything lined up for the season to come for the most part uh, without trying to look into the crystal ball into the future too much. Um, so a couple items from my report um, on changes to the proposed contract. So it, it's still a one year, one season contract for this winter. Um, the line item costs have increased in general and then there's some, there were some changes made to reflect um, like adding some line items or taking things away based on, you know, his experience over the years of things he typically gets asked to do that weren't quite spelled out exactly when, when we, you know, first tried to come up with what the contract should look like. Um, so he's got a, added an item for side street snow removal. Um, I, I, I did want to point this one out. So we had typically had one price for removing snow from the streets, either the main streets or all the streets. Whereas we had different levels of other items depending on how much was needed. So one of the things he asked, which makes sense is to split the snow removal into those three levels, just to reflect that if he comes and removes a one inch snow, that's a different effort and time than if it's six inches of snow. So that seems uh, reasonable. Um, there were a couple items that we removed. They were previously identified as bid alternates. Um, and that went back to, like I said, six or seven years ago when we were trying to bid out how to handle this. Um, one was for, for clearing all the eight foot sidewalks in town, Melrose and Sunset. And it's just something we've never done. And I don't really anticipate us doing that. Um, so we just took that one out and there was another bid alternate at that time for brine injection, which is not really something that um, is being done right now. And again, another item that was never used. And then uh, 
he did include some line items, like I, like I said, for some extra work requests, which have been um, handling sidewalk violations. So when the city notifies a property owner of snow removal violations, and then they'll call Mark out to take care of it. Uh, that was never really spelled out how that was handled. So he provided some hourly rates for those, for the labor for that. And he also provided some um, rates for like loading snow. Sometimes we've had heavy snows or heavy back-to-back -back snows and there's just nowhere to put it. So he's been called in to like push it and load it up and then load it in trucks and haul it out of town. So um, that's reflected in there now of, of what exactly that would be. And then uh, uh, of note, Mark requested that we include a, a fuel surcharge provision. Um, the reason for that is that obviously the price of fuel directly impacts his business, you know, with, with his trucks and his equipment. And it's the one thing he's, you know, obviously can't control the fluctuation of that. Um, so we added a section uh, with Mark's help, which we think is pretty reasonable. It's not like, uh, you know, if the price goes up 10 cents, he starts charging us. Um, it's it's based on a like 50 cent increment in either regular fuel or diesel fuel, which he uses both for his equipment. Um, and at that time, uh, he was asked for, I think it's like a two and a half percent increase on his per operation cost. So if the price of diesel fuel goes up another 50 cents, um, and again, I want to say he was very clear. He's like, you know, I'm going to, I watch this all the time. This is my business. So if I see this thing starting to go up, I'm going to, I'm going to notify the city in advance. This is not something I'm just going to, you know, spring on you. But um, so, you know, if he has a hundred dollar fee to do something, it'd be, you know, additional $2 and 50 cents to do that. Um, so that those are the, everything else is fairly the same. Those are, Though the big um, changes or updates this year. So 2237 would allow you to, if you want to, to approve that contract with Mark as it's proposed here. He's done a really good job for us. Doug and I talked to him uh, over the phone uh, several times and he's, Doug, wouldn't you agree? He's done a really good job for the city. And oh yeah, he's done. He's done an excellent job, and and any callbacks or any concerns that uh, go above and beyond kind of normal scope of work, he he's always been glad to oblige our city with uh, any any above and beyonds that we ask of him. And he's been a real fair guy, and I think we have a pretty good uh, rapport with him. I agree. Um, so consideration of twenty two thirty seven is before you. Is there a motion? I'll, I'll make, make a motion. motion. Okay, go ahead. Motion by Doug, and how about a second by Steph? Because she sure. said that too. Okay, and then, so this is for resolution 2237 with the snow contract. Okay. Um, roll call vote. Moore? Aye. Schroeder? Aye. Scott? Aye. Swales? Aye. Gone. Aye. Motion carries 5-0. Thank you. So now we'll go down to, uh, oh, is there anything else, Doug? 
that uh, I, I really don't have anything right now. Okay. No. Thank you. Uh, building zoning and sanitation. We have um, discussion of the, this is from when we had the uh, work session. And Steve summarized this a little bit in his report. Steve, will you, you give a little summary of that? Sure. Yeah, I, I did try to collect things and pool them a little bit into some thoughts and ideas. And uh, uh, I won't go through the individual items. I know you talked about it as a council um, at your work session. And I, I know that individuals have been <clears throat> attending various uh, board of adjustment meetings and had further communications with me and I'm sure with each other and, and uh, residents alike. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that the council's, well, the council has a prerogative to move forward uh, or not in, in any fashion it wants. If, if the council wants some additional time to kind of mull this over a little bit itself and repackage it or discuss it, uh, the council can, can, can do that and not, not do much of anything tonight. Uh, if the council wants to take the whole ball of wax on, so to speak, the council could... Uh, Proceed with a work or with a special meeting and invite public input, uh, something like that. Uh, the council uh, could uh, could ask the zoning commission uh, for help with some of these items uh, to to gather some public input and make recommendations back to the council with respect to um, uh, you know uh, ordinance changes or policy decisions that the council might make. So uh, so. I guess that's that's my my brief summary. Yeah. I, Thanks for reviewing the choices too. I appreciate that. Um, did did any of the council want to make a comment on any of that yet? Um, well, I guess I'll say something, Steve. Thanks for your, as always, your work on this. And since we had the work session. Um, I would like to suggest, I guess, that uh, since we have a zoning commission now that has representatives from all three parts of the city, which is a nice thing to have, I think, um, I feel it would be helpful to get input from those five dedicated members of the commission see what their recommendations would be on, on these issues and questions. Because I, I do like that they come from each part of, each of the three mythical parts of the city, north of Melrose, west of Sunset, and east, so. I, that sounds reasonable. What, is, does, what does anybody else think? Uh, Council has done that in the past uh, where they can get more input that way and hopefully there's public that'll attend. I'm not sure, it's already November 8th and the holidays are coming through. I, I'm wondering, you know, even getting the public together at this point might not be the best time, but I think, you know, planning for January might be uh, more reasonable too. I don't know. I'm just, does anybody else 
have an idea, different idea. To me, it doesn't seem like an urgent thing, so I think waiting's fine. To, um, and getting their input seems like a good idea. It does seem like um, the ordinance should stand on its words and not rely upon people that were there when the ordinance was written to convey what was intended. So clarifications would be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that, Yeah. Also think I just one more thing and think we should maybe brainstorm on ways, other ways to rather than des designing ordinances to the lowest common denominator to prevent things, figure out ways to draw people mm -hmm. uh, to University Heights. I don't know if there's such a thing as you know, having a credit for families with children or some some kind of a something to make families that want to lay down roots come mm -hmm. to University Heights and stay here rather than rather than fostering um, what was called the the tailgating enterprise sort of yeah. Steve uh, one, or Tim, one of the things we had talked about in the past, and it hasn't gone anywhere, but um, and that maybe that's on me, but um, any some sort of like down payment assistance program that would incentivize that. Um, but but you mm -hmm. know, maybe something you and I can kind of tag team and present to council. Sure. I guess I'll say, however, that, you know, this lowest common denominator thing, you, the council has to address some things in town. You are not going to attract people. And I would say you are about to start driving people away again if we don't address some of the issues that we're seeing. I mean, I, like I said, I mean, I've said it before, but I've watched things go bad fairly quickly in parts of town. It even hopped the little sunset divide there into the 300 block in the 20 teens. And there was a period when I was embarrassed to live in University Heights. And so things, things do have to be addressed. So. Mm -hmm. so I'm hearing that council uh, can wait and move this on the first of the year and get some input from zoning commission and then decide next steps from there. Uh, is that what I'm hearing? Is that what you think, Steph, too? Do you agree with that? And Doug? <clears throat> yeah. For sure. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, over the next month or so, Steve started with some questions in his report. And that was good that you wrote those down. 
from the meeting and uh, and over next month too, we might see if we wanna work on that a little bit more in December. The questions that you, you gave us a start, Steve, on those. And I know council asked you to do that. And it'll be interesting to see what the zoning commission says on some of those things. Uh, some of the people have been here for a lot of years, more years than some of us. And see what, like Lisa says, they're from, we kind of call it the three parts of town, the east and then the north and then the west and see what they say. So is that, I think that gives enough direction, right, Steve, moving forward? I think so. I, I think the timeline, it, seemed, it would make sense to me, you know, to, the holidays are a bad time and there's so, so many people that are gone and we've run into some issues with that in the past. Um, my, my suggestion would be to proceed as the mayor outlined and, and maybe the council can continue to think about things that it would like the commission, the commission to look into, uh, funnel those, you know, to, to, to Tim as a building zoning sanitation chair um, or to me. And, and, and then my suggestion is that Tim and I kind of, you know, keep going on a, with a working list and then, and then communicate to, to the uh, commission that the council would like him to look into some things. Um, and, and with the council's permission, my, my, uh, my, thought on that on that list is that, that the that the commission would be asked to sort of address or look into these items but but perhaps not be limited to those maybe maybe in the course of thinking of things or looking at things or receiving public input there's other things that the commission might want to make recommendations on and I would think that the council would be uh, receptive to that thanks Steve I think I think that's that would be agreeable to everyone, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll put this on the agenda for next month and and see uh, some of the other issues. And of course, and then if we email things to you and to Tim, then we can uh, discuss some of those things too. Okay, does that sound good to you, Tim? You're good. Yes, it does. Okay. I'm sorry. I forget you're on mute. Uh, okay, great. Um, is there anything I'm skipping over with that that <clears throat> somebody from the council wanted to say tonight? We're okay. we'll, we'll move on then. Okay, thank you. Um, Lisa, you had an e-government report. And maybe you ought to, uh, I know that the last leaf vacuuming is the week of November 14th. That's hopefully everything is down by then, <laughs> that week. Do you want to add anything, Lisa? No, I don't. Okay. Very good. Um, any, any announcements? Anybody I have a I have one just in case anyone's interested. I heard just heard from Pat Yegi. 412 people voted in person at the community center today. She said over 200 people voted early. So that's 
Wow. Over 600 voters. There are officially 836 registered voters in University Heights. So we're looking at a 75% or so turnout, which wow. once again, I we're a community that does take its citizenship responsibility seriously. And a so, non-presidential right, year. Right. And there were also 45 brand new voters who registered here today. Oh, wow. So... Just thought you'd like to. Oh, yes, that's little, great. Little news. political junkie note to pass. Yeah, on. it closed at eight, didn't it? The poll yeah, just did. closed. Okay, very good. Thanks, Mike, for that. Any other announcements? <clears throat> Is there any objection to adjournment? Hearing none, the meeting's adjourned by unanimous consent.